is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleman, and it is Monday, July 19th. And then there were two. Two teams remain in this team preview series. Tennessee on the docket for today. Of course, we'll wrap things up tomorrow with the Washington football team. Before we dive into the Titans, though, just a reminder, head on over to FTNFantasy.com. It's fantasy football draft season, especially now, man. We are closing in on August rapidly, and we have you covered over there. Of course, we have my draft guide, the game plan for 2021. We have rankings, projections, article content out the wazoo, and great tools for you as well. We really upgraded our tool game big time uh, here for 2021. So ftnfantasy.com and use the promo code RATPACK. That'll get you a discount because, you know what, I like discounts. I'm cheap. You might like them as well, so go check that out over there at ftnfantasy.com. So let's dive into this Tennessee Titans squad that is obviously very interesting, and I don't want to bury the lead because of the offseason edition of Julio Jones. So let's start with this wide receiver core that features, of course, uh, third-year man A.J. Brown coming off of a big sophomore campaign. Brown has shown that he's really one of the the main young guns at the position. And the position's having a little bit of a revitalization moment, right? We have uh, Brown, we have DK Metcalf, we have Justin Jefferson. Like, these are some of the top dynasty options out there. And while it is fair to have maybe some concern about Brown's volume with Julio Jones now in the mix, I actually think it's a good thing for A.J. Brown to have Julio there. When you think about uh, the overall state of this wide receiver core, after Corey Davis left in free agency, you had the signing of, of Josh Reynolds. They drafted Des Fitzpatrick, and I think Des Fitzpatrick's an, a, a solid receiver. I mean, we saw what he was able to do with Lamar Jackson when Lamar was still at Louisville, and uh, then Fitzpatrick had a, he put together a solid career, right? Certainly a draftable wide receiver for the NFL, but not somebody who's going to move the needle immediately. You also lose Adam Humphreys, so you lose two of your top three receivers. So heading into the offseason, it looked like it was going to be Brown and nobody. I know that the fantasy audience was trying to, to talk themselves in to Josh Reynolds as being a replacement for Corey Davis, but come on. Josh Reynolds is a number three receiver, and there's nothing wrong. Like That's not a knock on Josh Reynolds, because let's be clear about this. How many number three receivers are there in the world, <laughs> right? 32. He's a he's a legit number three receiver. He's not a legit number two receiver. Never quite showed the ability. Occasionally flashed with the Rams, but never quite showed the ability to be that type of player. But he can be a solid number three for you in this offense. By the way, A.J. Brown also, from a target standpoint, would benefit from no Jonu Smith, which I'll get to in a minute. But here's the problem. Sure, he can have all that target volume, but if we could figure that out, then I think opposing defenses could figure that out as well. So he was going to face, you know, a lot of double coverage, a lot of problematic situations for him where he would draw all the attention from the opposing defense. Well, now with Julio Jones on the field, you don't have that. And Julio Jones does not have to be Julio freaking Jones, who he was over the course of his career. He doesn't have to be that guy this year. He can be a 1A to A.J. Brown's one, you know, he could certainly be that. And that helps not only Jones, maybe maybe elongate his career a little bit because obviously he's no spring chicken. He is 32 years old, turned 32 back in February. 
But on top of it, it takes the attention away from A.J. Brown. And that is a good thing for A.J. Brown, for sure. So when I look specifically at Brown, I don't, I'm not as bullish. I'm not saying he's a top five guy anymore based on the massive volume that we had expected. But I do think he's a top 10 in redraft leagues this year. Right now, uh, ranking A.J. Brown at nine. He has a nose for the end zone, scored eight touchdowns his rookie season on just 52 catches. Last year, 11 on just 70 catches. I mean, the touchdown rate is off the charts. Posted 500-yard games in his rookie season, four last year, eight catches of 40-plus in his rookie year. That's pretty sick. But even five last year is really good as well. Not going to be a high ADOC guy, but doesn't have to be in that offense. And even in a run-heavy offense, Brown can still be very, very productive for us for fantasy purposes. So he remains a top 10 guy. Now, Jones is not a wide receiver one candidate this year for me. Currently ranking him nine spots behind Brown at wide receiver 18, which is still pretty solid. The one concern you might have from last year is, you know, can he stay healthy? Now, Jones throughout the course of his career, with the exception of 2013, was pretty darn durable. 2014 uh, to 2019, he missed a total of four games. You know, that's pretty durable. Now, last year, of course, uh, missing seven games during the course of the season. But when he was out there, I mean, if you remember, he was the same player. Even at 31 years old, he was still just as good as he's always been. And Tennessee has come out. They have said, you know, we, we did our due diligence here. And if we had any concerns, we wouldn't have made this deal regarding his health. So he should be fine. He should be good to go in this offense. And gives you a reasonably high floor. The ceiling isn't what it used to be, but could we see a late career sort of renaissance year out of him this year? Sure. Long term, no. I I don't want Julio Jones in a dynasty league right now, but I'm fine with him as a second or maybe even the way the draft board falls this year as a third wide receiver. Nothing wrong with that. Just remember, though, that any major upside here is going to be capped because this is going to be obviously a run-heavy team. With Derrick Henry, Tannehill can run a little bit, the rest of the backfield. So that does cap the overall upside. Uh, Josh Reynolds isn't draftable for me. The only way he becomes viable at all is if if either Brown or Jones was hurt. Uh, and like I mentioned, Des Fitzpatrick, you know, dynasty stash, but not a guy we're looking at as somebody who could surface on the fantasy radar this year. So there's the wideouts. Let's talk a little bit about Ryan Tannehill. Of course, we have to talk about Derrick Henry and the tight end situation here for the Tennessee Titans. We'll start, though, with Ryan Tannehill, and that'll be right after the break. So we once had written off, and by we, I mean the collective fantasy playing public, we had once written off Ryan Tannehill for dead for fantasy purposes. After his uh, stint with Miami he takes a backup gig to Marcus Mariota, and you know things look like you know it was almost a point of no return. Remarkably, he gets in there in 2019. Really, it helps spark the team, makes a little bit of a playoff run, and then solidifies himself as the starter. And then last year, I mean, the team goes 11 and five in a regular season. He throws for 3,800 yards. He does have a couple 4,000 yards under his belt but sets a career high with 33 passing scores. And also, as I just mentioned, Tannehill has has some wheels. He can run a little bit. So he runs for 266 yards and seven rushing scores last year. Uh, You have to like that. 
as a, a solid fantasy floor. Now, I'm not projecting seven this year. Uh, this year, I do have him with four rushing scores, which is still a solid number, 239 rushing yards. I have him cracking the 4,000-yard mark in, in terms of passing yards because of that extra game that, that helps the cause, and then topping 30 scores again with 31. Tannehill, there's no way around it. Tannehill is going to benefit from Julio Jones being in this offense. Now, I am not going to start foaming at the mouth and saying that he's a top-six guy or anything like that. I think that was the knee-jerk reaction. Typically... When big news like this happens, the knee-jerk reaction by the fantasy-playing public is is an extreme reaction. It's an overreaction to the news. And I even had some friends saying, well, Tannehill, you know, Tannehill's got to be close to elite now. And I was like, well, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, top 12, sure, but I don't know if I'd go elite. Well, he was number nine last year, so if he was quarterback nine last year without Julio Jones, this year with Julio Jones, he's got to be like quarterback six. Well... I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Because remember, the team is still going to run primarily through Derrick Henry. So what I look at, when I look at Tannehill, I like the floor you get with the rushing ability. I like the potential for some reasonably big games. But overall, he is a higher floor type guy, a safe guy who won't be around in the late rounds in your drafts very likely. He's going to go towards the end of the middle rounds. I could see round eight, round nine, depending on where your league ultimately stands with him. And maybe every so often you get that team, if they drafted A.J. Brown or if they drafted Julio Jones, they sort of prioritize the stack. So they draft the quarterback maybe a little bit before you have him on your board. It's all good. I don't mind him. I'll take him at a value if I can get him, but he probably will go a little bit earlier than than I'm willing to spend on him. Now, as I mentioned, the team is going to primarily run through the run game. As we know, you have a guy who's coming off a 2,000-yard season who could potentially go back-to-back this year in Derrick Henry, thanks especially to that extra game. He didn't need it last year, although he did need a lot in that final week. Uh, he, he put it up, and then some cleared it by 27 yards, had 17 touchdowns, rushing scores last year. He's really emerged over the last, I'd say, two two and a quarter seasons because it was December of 2018 when he when he finally started to get the rock. But over the last two years, he has emerged as the premier uh, early down bell cow in the league. 300 carries, 303 to be precise in 2019, 378 last year. 16 rushing scores in 2019, 17 last year, 12, by the way, in 2018. And he has bucked the the notion that you can't be an RB1 in PPR if you are uh, not involved in the passing game. Because he's not involved in the passing game. He is not. Here's his receiving totals, uh, his reception totals over the last two years. 18 in 2019, 19 last year. Derrick Henry is not going to be much more than a catch a game. That's what he is, and that's fine. The one thing that does invite into the equation, though, is the Derek Dilemma. And if you don't know what the Derek Dilemma is, here it is. If Derek Henry does not score a touchdown, unfortunately, it's probably going to be a rough fantasy week for you. Because, say, those games where he does get bottled up, he'll still get the volume. He'll still have 20 carries or 22 carries or whatever. And say he goes 22 for 78 yards, has no catches in that game, or has a catch for negative one yards or whatever. Okay, He got 7.8 fantasy points in his rushing yards. If he adds that catch, you know, you get you up over eight eight points there, barely. And and that's it. That's not a good week. Now, fortunately, he's not going to have those weeks a lot, but look when when that happened last year 
Uh, and, and there are actually some, some pivotal weeks where we saw the Derek Dilemma on full display. I think the one that I really have to point to, though, is week 16, which was the fantasy championship game. He had 23 carries for 98 yards. No touchdowns, no catches. That's 9.8 fantasy points. That means that in week 16, the fantasy championships, he was the number 32 running back that week. That hurts. The Derek Dilemma can hurt. It also happened in week 13 against the Browns. Uh, He had 15 for 60. He had one catch for nine yards. It happened in week nine against the Bears, 21 for 68, no catches. This is going to happen during the course of the season. So just be aware, you're never going to really be able to fully predict when the Derek Dilemma plays out, but the Derek Dilemma does happen, and it could bite you, maybe in week 16. Overall, though, I still think he's uh, he's an elite option. Uh, I have him at RB4 right now. I do have Kamara ahead of him, and obviously Cook and McCaffrey. Uh, Cook at two, McCaffrey at one. But still, uh, if I'm at fourth overall, I'm not going to overthink it. Kamara's off the board. I'm taking Derrick Henry right there. Not going to overthink it, even with the Derrick dilemma. Just something we need to be aware of. All right, real quick, Anthony Ferkser will take over, but I don't know if there's quite enough juice there at tight end for us to consider him draftable. But I do think Ferkser is a player we should be monitoring, especially if you're one to stream at tight end, because he has shown some ability in the past. I think he's basically a 3-for-32 guy this year, but we'll monitor Anthony Ferkser. All right, so there you go. The Tennessee Titans are in the hopper. That leaves us with just the Washington football team. We will do that on the podcast tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. And don't forget to go check out FTNFantasy.com for all your fantasy football draft needs. It's draft season, baby. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for the football team. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.